welcome. Glad that you are here on the way into all of our campuses. They hand you the notes. If you want to go ahead and get those out in just a second, we will jump into those. Uh, while you do that, I want to welcome all of our campuses, all of our visitors, all of our friends that are here this weekend. Uh, I got three, um, three uh, pieces of news that I want to, uh, to give to you. Uh, our Israel trip this September, I've got 78 people, and I can close it at 80. So um, I can actually close it now if I want to. But we, we, we're set up to take 80, and so I need two more people. And I thought I would just stand up here. Uh, you're the first ones to hear it um, uh, the, this weekend. And so if you, um, you want to go or been looking like, hey, Lord, do you want me to go? This is the Lord speaking to you right now. Uh, get signed up. We'd love to have you go. But uh, one way or the other, at uh, the end of April, uh, 1st of May, we will close it out, whatever we have. But I do have room for two more people, and at that point, I can't go past that. So I'll just throw that out to you if you'd like to go or want more information uh, in our foyer or on our website. And then these are two personal things, but my, um, you know, my family, um, it's, we, we all started our church 18 years ago. It wasn't just uh, myself or uh, Chris and I. My whole family was involved in that. And as time has gone on, uh, people that go here are aware of uh, things that go on and um, happen in our family. And I have two um, really fun pieces of news. The first one, um, number eight, is on the way. Um, so let me tell you who. Uh, Chris and I. No. Uh, no. <laughs> See, you know you're listening. Uh, yeah, look at my wife. She's dying laughing right now. Um, Daniel and Holly are expecting uh, their first child coming up. So uh, in this coming September... Uh, they're they're uh, over at Lakewood uh, right now, youth pastors there, and um, cheer for them, Lakewood, and, and bless them. We can't wait. I actually let the cat out of the bag about a month ago uh, accidentally. When I think about it, uh, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of how many we have now, and I was referring to something with grandkids, and I, I said, um, we've got eight now, you know, thinking that one's cooking, and uh, um, I actually had a couple of people who realized, you've only got seven, are you saying something? And I had to uh, lie for the last uh, <laughs> month. I apologize, but I was not at liberty to, uh, to say, but now I, I can say. So um, little baby leech is on the way. And, uh, and, then, and then this one too, uh, our, our other twin Dave uh, graduated, most of you know, from, from Butler in December and uh, finance and economics. Uh, he's got his mom's brain, not his dad's. And um, Dave, Dave got a really cool job that uh, he, he's moving to Chicago. That part we don't like, but uh, he's going to be a trader, an equity trader. And that's what he wanted to do. And the Lord's opened up the opportunity. So those of you who've, who know my kids and have watched them grow up, yeah, we're proud of both of them. So, all right. And if you don't know, I realize you don't care, so let's move on and we'll, we'll just do this. So we start a new series this weekend. It's called uh, In the Meantime, and right after that, I've got a quote there of what I think this series is supposed to be about. So I'll read it to you, and then I want to point out the nuance between what you might think it is and what it really is. So I called it In the Meantime, uh, and this is what I think it's going to be about. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Now, most of you probably heard me say this right here. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And that's not what I'm teaching. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? And there's a difference between those two things right there. So let me jump into this. Um, let, me, let me be able to take you to a place that I... Here's what I want to do with this. I, I want to be able to, at the, at the minimum, I, I want to create a category for something that I don't think 
uh, in church we talk much about. I think when it comes to dealing with situations that are unchangeable, I think that probably the, 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 the teaching that's out there today, and rightfully so, okay, I need to say this the right way, I think the teaching that's out there today when people go through difficult stuff is just, okay, you just need to, you know, get before God, just start praying, start believing, you just need to crash through this thing, you know, God's going to give you victory on the other side, that's true and that's right, please, 99% of everything we teach goes along that that line right there, okay, but I want to create a category for those who, who realize not everything in life is just, hey, buckle down and we'll crash through it. Sometimes you find yourself in places in life where you simply, it is what it is for the foreseeable future. And here's my question to you. What are you going to do with God in those situations right there? Because I think for so many of us, if all we ever hear about is, man, you just got to crash through. And if you're trying to do that and you can't crash through, you're stuck in a place. Then then here's what I know happens to you. You will begin to question, what, what did I do wrong? How did I get out of the favor of God? And if I got out of it, how do I get back into it? And the devil will have a field day with your head. And if it goes on for a long enough period of time, here's what I know. You'll, you'll, keep, you'll keep going. And you'll, but something happens ugly in your heart where you're just not hearing from God and you think something has definitely gone wrong in your faith. Yes, yes. So I want to create a category, and I'm just going to say it this way, right? If you're in that place today where you realize, I've got something that just I can't change it, this will be really beneficial to you. And for some of you, you're like, man, I wish you would have preached this two years ago because I could have really used this two years ago. Okay, I get that. For the, us, the rest of you and the others that are sitting in here, you're going to fall into the last category. Maybe right now it wouldn't have been beneficial two years ago, and maybe right now it doesn't make any sense. But maybe in a year or two, or five or ten, this might become a really important message for you to understand and remember. So I think it's got something in it for you. So just... Just talk about this a little bit, and we'll go down there. So uh, what do you do when there's just simply nothing you can do? Uh, let me talk about some ways that can manifest, sometimes in marriage. You know, you, you're married, and it's not a great marriage. Uh, you don't want a divorce. He doesn't want a divorce. She doesn't want a divorce. And you just realize it's been going on like this for a long period of time, and for the foreseeable future, you can't see a way to change. You've tried everything. You've gone to every seminar. You've read every book. You've done everything that you know how to do, and it's a long-term situation, and simply you find yourself just like, it's just not going to get any better. And then this is what you hate. Somebody stands up and just like, you know what you need to do? Read this book. You know what you need to do? You just need to crash through this. You know what you need to do? Take their hand right now. And you've done all of that, and you just simply find yourself stuck in a situation. Is it okay to teach this? Yeah. Sometimes we just find ourselves with stuff that it's not that we don't know what to do. It's just something that there's nothing we can do. Uh, sometimes it manifests itself with kids. They're not going to be what you wanted them to be. They're not going to go the direction you wanted them to go. Maybe it manifests itself in a relationship with a kid where it's estranged. There's distance there, and there's difficulty there. And it's not a matter of just apologizing. It's not a matter of just simply saying, hey, let's move beyond this. Sometimes things get into a position where you just simply, for right now, for the foreseeable future, you don't know how to change it, and it is what it is. You know, here's the funny thing. You don't want to run, and you don't want to start drinking, <laughs> and you don't want to seek after things that you know are only going to be temporary fixes. It's not, I don't know what to do. It's, there's nothing I can do about it right now. Uh, maybe it's finances. Let's be honest about this one. 
some point, some of us realize it's just not going to be what I was hoping it was going to be, and it's not going to be. It's past a point now. I know, rah-rah, right? Yeah. I'm trying to create a category for something that we never talk about. That's all I'm doing. It's not a lack of faith. It's not negative. I'm just, just talking about something that I know I deal with and that I deal with with God's people. Maybe it's health. You're not going to die from what they diagnosed, but you're not getting better. Make sense? So maybe it's pain. Maybe you hurt. Maybe you've done everything that you can do about that and you've sought everything that you can seek about that and you just find yourself in a situation where you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it just seems like, you know, the worst thing is that when you find yourself going through things like this, it seems like God does stuff for other people but not for you. You ever been there? I mean, sometimes God's people don't help the situation. Like you're suffering and someone comes in and just like, man, God's really been good to me. He got a great answer to my prayers last week. I lost my keys. And my husband, who always comes home early with flowers, he came home and when he opened the door, I heard him jingling in the door. The Lord's good. Amen. And you're just like, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> Maybe it's professionally. So let me define that. Just uh, Maybe you find yourself in a situation professionally where something is just done so well for so long, but it came to an end. And you find yourself unable to make a move into something else. And it's not for a lack of trying or a lack of praying. And it's not for a lack of talent either, by the way. But you just find yourself that for the foreseeable future, you can't change it. It's not that you don't know what to do. It's that you can't do anything about it right now. Maybe you find yourself shut out of a field because someone betrayed you, said something about you, or did something to you, and now you find all your options closed off. It can come in a lot of different forms. Again, it's not fatal, but it hurts. And there's just no simple way to change it. Maybe it's academically. <laughs> Maybe you just realize, I'm not going to medical school. I'm 70 now, and it's not going to happen at this time. <laughs> I'm trying to have a little bit of fun with it while we talk about it. Maybe you just realize just the plans and the hopes that I had for the foreseeable future. I can't see a way to change it. I'm in the position that I'm in. And the funny thing is here, there is no easy answer to this. And here's what I don't want this to be. I don't want to try to create a category where I give you an easy answer. Because I think that's what we've tried to do to people, and that's not always helpful. Just pray more. Just believe more. Just get up earlier. Get in a small group and go deeper. So all those things are true, and they're good, and they're right, but sometimes we find ourselves doing all the right thing, and simply nothing's changing. And when that goes on for a long season of time, think about this for a moment. It, it, the devil is right there to challenge you. Your own brain begins to challenge you. And then what if God is silent during that time? Just what if? It's easy to draw the wrong conclusions. Listen to this. It's easy to draw the wrong conclusions when you go through those seasons. So one of the things you'll tell yourself is, I am never going to be happy again. I, this, this is never going to change. I wish I could go back to junior high school. 
And you know how bad it was then. But your mind goes to the idea that everybody paid for everything. I didn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> it's just easy to draw the wrong conclusion, sometimes even fatally. People make very permanent decisions during long-term temporary situations. And that's a terrible place to be at. I'm just trying to create a category. Here, here's the two big questions. If you find yourself this weekend dealing with anything that I just said, or if a light goes on and you're like, man, I don't want to admit it, but that's exactly where I'm at, then here's the two big questions that you need answered, the two big questions that maybe you're asking yourself, and these are, you want to take notes on it. Number one, does God know what's going on with me? If it's short term and you break through, then you know that God knew. But when you're loving God and you're doing all the right things and yet you can't get through it, it goes on for a long period of time, your brain will begin to argue again, does God even know? Tell me that the enemy doesn't stand there and ask you, does, does God know? And then the second one is simply this, if he does know, doesn't he care enough to do anything about it? So, so the one we challenge his knowledge on it, and then the second one we challenge his power to do something about it. Ever been there? Just me? So does God know and does God care? Let me give you three answers to those two questions. Three answers to those two questions. One, God isn't absent. So let me, I mean, I'll say this first and then back up. Don't ever confuse God's silence with his absence. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes when God is just simply silent, don't ever confuse that with God being absent in your life. When God is silent, don't confuse that with God being angry. Tell me that's not an easy thing to find yourself falling into. So I know two areas in my life where I can just point to very quickly that one is a long-term thing that is just simply, it is the way that it is, and I can't change it. I have a special needs son. And we have dealt with it for 30 years. And I make that sound like we're, my son has dealt with it for 30 years. Seeking everything that we knew how to do, from prayer to medicine to therapy to just people being involved. And we're stuck with a situation that it's not that I don't know what to do, nothing can be done. And it's in those times when it's at its worst point. I'll give you an example. A sibling gets married and is having a baby. Or one graduates college and has an awesome opportunity. And across the room, with one hand, I lift victory and celebrate. And with another, I grab a hand to pray for a broken heart. Did you just hear what I said? It's amazing how your heart, Chris and I just said this, how, it, how you can praise God while your heart is torn out of you. It's a uniquely human experience. It's one that God knows and God cares. But in the middle of that, when you don't hear God's voice, simply because maybe there's not an easy answer to it. 
Here's what we think. God, if you just speak to it, it would solve it. But even the things that God does speak to, we still question. You want an example? He'll tell us things not to do. And then we'll do them. And we're just like, you know, if you'd speak, it would settle the issue. Are you sure? Do you get what I'm saying? You know, and, and part of this, by the way, too, let, let's just talk real quickly. Uh, <laughs> some of this is self-betrayal because when we're hurting, and of course we want to hear God's voice, we also have the capacity that when we want to sin, we have the ability to shut God's voice out. Do you, you understand what I, I mean? There have been times, I'm sure, going down the road, you had sin packed under the seat on ice. <laughs> and you had planned a good weekend without God. <laughs> and you never say, I wonder if God knows and I wonder if God cares. <laughs> it's a little bit betraying some of the positions we find ourselves. Yes, sir, do you hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't confuse God's silence with him being absent or angry. How about this? Don't confuse his silence with God being apathetic either. Because the two big questions when you go through something that you simply cannot change, does God know? Does God care? The answer isn't that he's absent. It isn't that he's angry. It isn't that he's apathetic. Sometimes we're in a situation where God wants us to go deeper. Deeper. To grow. To become. There's, see, here's where I'll take this series in the next few weeks. I'm not going to go to the Old Testament, I'm going to stay in the New Testament, because here's what I try, to, um, I try to ask myself this question. When I go through things in my life that are difficult, that are, um, that are just simply without, a, without an easy answer to it, I take comfort if I can find somebody else in the New Testament went through the same thing, because then I don't feel like I'm the oddball in the deal. Because if you can read about somebody else, that went, you can also see how they went through it. So make a really broad statement right now. Not every answer is to be found in the average 72 years that we live on this planet. I, I, I know this is a rah-rah. Let me say it one more time. Not every answer to every situation in our life is to be found in our lifespan just on this planet. Some things, we are eternal. And not everything is wrapped up in our lives in 72 years. With my son. Barring a miracle here and now, it will not be fixed until then and there. But we're okay. I think sometimes people are afraid to agree with me because they're like, if I agree, does that mean it's going to come my way? <laughs> and by just kind of letting you do your thing, I can stay on the, you can dance with God and I can stand back here and watch. And that's just not... Um, this weekend, I want to look at John the Baptist. Uh, just talk about John the Baptist's life real quick. Um, John and Jesus were very close. They were cousins. Uh, a little background, John the Baptist, they don't call him that because he started the Baptist church. John was, it's John the Baptizer. John was a baptizer. Um, it, it actually comes from Jewish t tradition, the mikvah. It was ceremonial cleansing. But remember, the Old Testament is a type and a shadow. Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. They were already in place so that God could show, them, show us what they actually meant through Jesus. 
Baptism is that old man is dead and goes under, and when you come up, you're new. You're cleansed. It's amazing things. John, when Jesus comes on the scene, uh, John's job is to prepare the way for Jesus. So John came preaching repentance, and Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God is now here. It's powerful. I don't, uh, yeah. yeah. So John's job was just to get it ready for his cousin, to, to set it up, to, um, to make way. And Jesus and John were very close. And John had, at one point, John had a very powerful ministry. Before Jesus started his public ministry, John had a huge number of disciples. And John's job was to get ready for Jesus. But once Jesus came on the scene, I'll show you here. John's job then was to decrease so that Jesus could increase. So at one point, John's ministry is going so good that everything John says that comes out of it, you know, when things are going good in life, everything we say is good. But once things begin to change for John and go the other way, John had a moment where he really doubted, is Jesus actually Jesus? And does he know? And does he care? And Jesus was actually silent. Again, I'm just trying to create a category for you. Uh, this isn't in your notes. Uh, I'm going to read this one to you, and then the one that's in your note, I'll just make the comparison. This is John chapter 3. It's just a few verses. Uh, verse 22. After this, so just listen. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim. Now here's why they were baptizing here. Listen to the practicality. Because there was plenty of water. Oh, you guys... Sometimes we read the Bible so religiously. Look at what this says, right? The reason they picked this area to baptize, because there was a lot of water. That's a true story. It's really difficult to baptize without a lot of water. <laughs> so they picked this area to baptize because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. It makes that note. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, Jesus, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing, and everyone's leaving your ministry and going to his ministry. <laughs> to this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Christ but in sent ahead of the Christ. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom simply waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy belongs to me, and now it's complete because Jesus is here. And then verse 30, he must increase, and I must decrease. Powerful! Every ministry that exists on the face of the earth today should have the same thought. Jesus has to increase, and our ministry, our presence must decrease while he increases. God, how different would it be if all pastors thought that way? It's not my ministry, but it's his ministry. Okay, so this is really powerful. This is really awesome. But remember it made the note, this is before he got arrested and went to jail. So by the way, why did he go to jail? Anybody remember the story? He couldn't keep his mouth shut about political issues. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. King Herod, not Herod the Builder, but his son, 
Herod Antipas was the king. A complicated story. Herod had two brothers. Uh, one of his brothers uh, had a daughter. That daughter ended up marrying her uncle. We don't even do things like that in the South. This is a weird situation. <laughs> Wait. So Herod and his brother, are you following me? They go to Rome for an official visit. While they're gone, the brother's niece that he's married to has an affair with a cousin. So John finds out about this and begins in his preaching to say how lousy this is. And it makes Herod mad. But more than that, it makes the girl's mother mad. And so they have John arrested and put in jail. Matthew chapter 11, we just heard in John chapter 3, John's great discourse about who Jesus is and what he needs to do in ministry. But it's before he gets arrested. There's a point now where John's been in jail for probably two years. We're not exactly sure. Jesus did three years of public ministry. What we just read from John 3 is the start of Jesus' ministry. John's already had his ministry. Things have gone really well for him. A lot of followers, a lot of people are like, man, you know how to teach. And man, a lot of people are getting converted. Wow, look at you. And John announces, hey, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. The bridegroom's now here. I got a decrease. He's got an increase. And at the same time, he's preaching against political powers. Gets arrested. Left in jail for two years, minimum. Jesus only preached for three. And this is John's statement after being forgotten about in his mind for a couple of years. Matthew 11. John the Baptist, who was in... Let's try that one more time. So John the Baptist, who was in... Heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, look at the question, are you the Messiah? Now, we just read John's confession when everything is great. This is the bridegroom, and he's come for the bride, and all I've done is get everything ready, and my joy is so complete because I've done a good job in that. I have to decrease now, and he has to increase. Then he gets arrested, and then he's stuck in this position for a little while, and then he does the thing that I think is so human. He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Here's Jesus' answer to take back to John. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, look at this strange little sentence. Blessed are those who do not stumble on account of me. And then right after that, when his disciples leave to go back and tell John, Jesus says this, amongst all of mankind, no one has ever been greater of men than John the Baptist. Jesus loved John. But Jesus didn't leave to go see John. He didn't send a postcard to John. And he didn't get John set free. You with me? It's a little hard to explain, isn't it? When's the last time you heard this taught? Never. <laughs> Never, huh? 
This should have never been included in the Bible, by the way. If you're trying to write a book to pull the wool over people's eyes. Because if you're trying to make it a story that is so airtight, you don't put in all the wrinkles and all the stuff that doesn't make sense. No, do you hear what I'm saying right now? Follow me on this. So the next statement is really interesting because after Jesus... Here's the question from John. After John's arrested, after all this happens, Jesus leaves the place that he's been doing ministry and goes down to the Galilee, and John's up in prison. I want to show you the two different views that these people have of the world that they're living in. Here's John's view in the place that he was kept as a prisoner. So when we go to Israel, I will take you right to where this is. You, you will never, this is the point of going, you'll never read your Bible in black and white ever. You will go and see it, and it's amazing how it, it'll give you a picture in your mind. So John's view, how many of you can't wait to go on vacation there? <laughs> so here's Jesus' view where he's doing ministry. No, it, it's sort of funny, and at the same time, this should have never been included if you're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Because what we want is an easy explanation for why Jesus didn't jump up and run down there. And instead of giving you an easy answer, I'm going to make three statements to you, and here they are. Even in the middle of the most difficult situation in John's life, Jesus still loved John, and that never changed regardless of what happened to John. And what you need to hear and what you need to know and what I want to create a category in you right now to understand is that regardless of what goes on in your life, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what your results are at the given time, God has never changed his mind about how he feels about you. And it's a dreadful mistake to have a two-sided coin that says, as long as everything's going okay, God loves me. But the moment stuff starts going wrong, God must not love me. What do I need to do to get back in God's favor? It's about two, three years ago, three years ago, as a matter of fact, we went through a really difficult time financially here. And we had gone through um, <laughs> 15 years straight of double-digit growth in all areas. Nothing had ever gone wrong. And then suddenly I get a setback, and the weirdest thing happened to me. A month, two months, no big deal. Six months, nine months, 15 months. Here are the thoughts going through my head. Where did I sin? I went back every day and every night. I would grind in my mind. Where did I blow it? Where did I go wrong? Can I, can I, when there's no answer to the things you're praying for, when you're asking God to speak to something that you didn't do, God, just show me where I went wrong. What if you didn't go wrong? But that's where your head is at. There's no answer for your prayer. Do you get what I'm saying? And I was stuck in this place of where did I go wrong? What? How could this happen? God, how did I get out of your favor? But then the critical, how do I get back in your favor? Then you just want to perform. And 
That's religion at its core. And here's what you've got to create a category for, regardless of how it feels. God never changed it. When everything's going good, he loves you. And when things stink, he loves you. The height of an actual mature faith is when you can hit that place and not be moved. And that's what we're aiming for, by the way. Did you just hear me? That's actually what we're aiming for. But I think it's the place that few people get to because no one wants to have to push through and hold on. And it's like, give me a formula to get out of it. Three statements. No matter what happened, Jesus loved John, Jesus loves you. How about this? John had serious doubts about Jesus once he began to suffer. Can you see that? So I won't say it where I'm asking you first person, but have you ever known anybody who ever had doubts about Jesus? And here's what those doubts are. Do you know? And if you do, do you care? And the third statement simply would be this. Jesus gives a key to this that I bet you've read and you've never understood and maybe I can explain it. The very last thing he says to John's disciples, blessed is the one who doesn't stumble, who doesn't falter. The real word here is actually misinterpret. So here's what Jesus is saying to John's disciples. Take this back to him. Am I the Messiah? Look around and see everything that I'm doing for everybody else. And blessed are the ones who don't misinterpret, listen, my silence for anger, who don't misinterpret my silence for apathy, who don't misinterpret my silence. Is being absent in their lives. How many people stumble because they misinterpret? And tell me that's not right where the devil wants to live at in your life. Misinterpret. Judge him. How could he do this to you? Do you think he knows? And if you can overcome that, then why doesn't he care? Anybody? I'm in my negative time right now, so I, I'm just going to close um, with this. I'm a big reader of everything. And worse than that, I cut out everything. And it ends up in piles. I've got folders and piles of things I think someday I'll preach about that. Someday I'll, I need to remember it. There's a huge drought going on in California. You aware of it? Yeah. Four years now. Horrible drought. I mean, it's changing the landscape. It's rearranging water usage, a number of different things with it. Out of a, in recorded history, there's not been a worse drought. Recorded history for California. Um, but can any good come out of that whatsoever? Northern California has some of the finest vineyards in the entire world. 
I don't know if you're aware of that. Some of you act like, uh, what is a vineyard, Pastor? I've never heard those strange words before. <laughs> is that where you find vines? What is that? Uh, it's where they get grapes to make wine. And I just cut this out. Um, this is actually from a year ago. And it just, here's the headline. Drought bears fruit for vintners. And here's, here's what the guy says. Reduced water forces the grapevines to produce smaller berries, and believe it or not, smaller berries result in better sugar and flavors being more concentrated. Then he goes on to say, the persistent lack of moisture has forced the vines to have to reach down deep for water, concentrating the fruit that they produce. And then this is what the guy says, they don't produce as much, but what they do produce is twice as good. I want to just say something to you. You may not produce as much as you did at one time, and it may not be as abundant as you want it to be right now, but do not confuse that with God's ability to make it better when it's all said and done in your life. Better. And that's the one thing that when we look around and we see all the negative and it's just reinforced, we think how could this ever be good? And we're so tempted to make a critical mistake at that time. I want you to remember that sometimes God uses it for us to go deeper, and deeper's better. Deeper's maturity. Deeper's when you become something that you can't be without it. Did you hear me? Okay. I'll just end it with this right here. Staff said, how are you going to pray for this? What are you going to do about this? Um, I'd asked our prayer pastor and our intercessors if they'd be willing to for a season just to make themselves available to pray for people. Somebody's going to say it this way. If anything that I talked about in this message is something that you need prayer for, we will have people right up front here to pray for you. If there's something else going on in your life that has nothing to do with this message but you want someone to pray with you, we're going to have people that can pray with you. If you find yourself in a situation where like, hey, pastor, I'm in that category where this just really doesn't affect where I'm at. I'm living down in the Galilee and everything's green. God bless you. I mean that. God bless you and enjoy that. Reap in that. Praise God in that. But should you ever find yourself in a position where it's not quite as green, God never changed his mind about you. Never forget that truth. God never changed his mind about you. So Jesus, we love you. We give you opportunity to speak into our hearts right now at all of our campuses, in all of our situations. Perhaps there's even things that are so difficult, my imagination couldn't even go there to set this up for somebody. Perhaps I couldn't even speak words that would even come close to describing the situation that you're in. Don't think I'm trite because I can say this and act like it doesn't reach deep into my heart. It reaches deep into my heart when I speak these words. It reaches deep in my heart. And being a human, if I feel that way, how much more does the God who created you 
and who loves you and has given the ultimate. How can you know that God loves us because he gave the ultimate payment for your life. He sent his son. He loves you. And I would pray that in the place that you're just like, I don't understand. I just don't get it. That even if there's not an easy answer to that, maybe, maybe you could just experience God in the middle of the place that you hurt. And rather than seeing that as sin or lack or not having faith, maybe it could just go deeper with your roots right now and tap into something that the Holy Spirit has for you that no man ultimately could answer anyway. Sometimes we look for an answer from man and there's just not one there. It's only in God that it's going to be found. I pray that God would do that for you. I pray that God would just help you. And I bless the name of the Lord. Amen. And amen. Intercessors, if you want to go ahead and get in place, folks, um, Marcus will come and dismiss right now. And if you need prayer, then uh, he'll direct that. I'm sorry, Terry's going to do it.